got a, an opportunity to be drafted by the Florida Marlins at the time. Now the Miami Marlins, Colorado Rockies were the first organization to offer me a contract. And so in 2012, I was a hitting coach in Grand Junction, Colorado. Uh, Gabe Kapler with the Los Angeles Dodgers wanted to interview me for a manager's job. I think all too often, you know, we're always looking for the way in baseball instead of looking for a way. I didn't know that I didn't know until I knew that I didn't know. It's very challenging because the world wants you to conform to what everyone else does. And there, there's been times that I've had to stand alone. Fellas, 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 welcome back to the Farm System Podcast, your home for baseball development. We're here for you, by you, and with you. I'm your co-host, Joey Cunha. And I'm Bo Callis. This podcast is designed for coaches, players, scouts, really anyone looking to further their development in the game of baseball. Here at the Farm System, we take pride in being lifelong learners, and we are here to be a bridge from where you are to where you're going. We'd like to welcome back our veteran listeners. We're happy to grow with you again. We'd also like to welcome our first-time listeners, the rookies. Don't worry, every vet was once a rookie. On this episode, we sit down with Drew Saylor. Drew is the manager for the Rancho Cucamonga Quakes, high-A affiliate for the Los Angeles Dodgers. Pull up a seat, grab your notepad, here's Drew Saylor. Welcome back to the Farm System. We're here with Drew Saylor. Drew, we appreciate you taking some time out of your day to sit down and chat with us here at the Farm System. Absolutely, guys. Thank you for having me on. Looking forward to chatting with you guys today. Absolutely. Well, you know, Drew, a big reason we wanted to have you on. We've actually been, you know, circling through some of our minor league contacts. And, you know, you guys just have so much information. And you guys are at that level of development. And um, you guys are, you know, where it all starts. And so um, we really just want to pick your brain. And we think you have a lot of value to our listeners and how you can talk to you, what that process looks like. And, um, you know, just continue to move the game forward. Oh, absolutely. And you're, you're using that, uh, that P word. I, I use a ton process process. So yeah, you, you're a hundred percent right. And, uh, I said, again, just looking forward to, uh, you know, sharing some of the things you do here with the Dodgers, uh, you know, a little bit of kind of some of my personal philosophies with it. And again, just continue to pay it forward. Absolutely. Before we kind of hop into some of that stuff, Drew, do you mind telling our listeners a little about a little bit about your journey through the game of baseball? Ooh, uh, yeah. Um, so I, you know, played high school, played college baseball. I actually split uh, my experience in college between two universities. I went to uh, the University of Cincinnati first, um, ended up uh, wanting to have a different experience and chose to transfer to Kent State University. Uh, I'm actually from Akron, Ohio, so it was a little bit of a homecoming for me. Uh, you know, Kent State has a very uh, long and uh, storied history as a, uh, as a university. I went there. Played uh, my last two years, uh, got a, an opportunity to be drafted by the Florida Marlins at the time. Now the Miami Marlins played uh, in the Marlins uh, organization for about a year, uh, was released, uh, signed a free agent contract with the Astros, played a year with them. And then my last three years of playing, um, I played independent league baseball in the Frontier League. That's what the Chillicothe Paints and then uh, the Lake Erie Crushers. I wouldn't necessarily value, have labeled myself as like a, a uber primo uh, type of prospect. I was kind of an organizational filler, 
I always just had a feeling that um, I was going to do something in the game of baseball to uh, lead, uh, to be able to inspire others uh, and be able to help them along in their own individual journey. Got done playing. I uh, actually worked a real job for about a year and a half. I worked at Enterprise Rent-A-Car. I know uh, there's a lot of probably Step Brothers fans out there that may be laughing about that one. <laughs> but uh, I, uh, I worked at Enterprise, was uh, assistant branch manager for uh, a little bit. And uh, my wife was uh, incredibly impactful and said that uh, I need to get back to something that uh, I'm passionate about, uh, that uh, I drive joy out of my day, not just going and punching a clock. So uh, she pushed me to get back into uh, into baseball. And really, uh, from there, I just got lucky. Um, I shot out my resume to all 30 major league clubs, their farm directors, uh, heard back from uh, eight or nine teams. Uh, got into the interview process with three of them, and the Colorado Rockies were the first organization to offer me a contract. And so in 2012, I was a hitting coach in Grand Junction, Colorado, the first year that the affiliate moved from Casper, Wyoming, into uh, in the GJ. And, uh, you know, incredible experience there. A uh, team made the playoffs the first year that they were in existence. Um, and then at the end of that year, talking with uh, Zach Wilson and uh, Jeff Reich, who was the uh, assistant farm director and farm director at the time, uh, they asked when I wanted to manage. And I said, if, if I get a, a pitching coach, uh, I'll be ready, uh, I believe, next year. And so that following year, I got a chance to uh, work with Frank Gonzalez and Pascal Washington with the Tri-City Dust Devils. Uh, worked with them two years there in 13 and 14. And then I uh, got promoted up to being the hitting coach with the uh, Modesto Nuts and, uh, in the California League. And uh, at the conclusion of that year, I got a phone call from Zach saying that uh, Gabe Kapler with the Los Angeles Dodgers wanted to interview me for a manager's job. And I uh, went through that process with them. I was very intrigued with what they, what they were doing over here in Los Angeles, and especially uh, relative to all the uh, data and the analytics. It's, uh, it was an area of the game that I wasn't uh, very experienced and versed in and uh, decided to make the jump and uh, came over here to Los Angeles. And uh, I'm in my third year now with the Rancho Cucamonga Quakes, the high affiliate with the Los Angeles Dodgers. And uh, again, just, you know, it's been a, a pretty crazy journey just to think about, uh, you know, that lineage, but that's about as short as I can make it uh, about where I was to where I am right now. Man, that's awesome. And, uh, you know, there, again, there's just so much going on, especially like you said, with all the analytics and things that are coming into the game. You know, when, when you really talked to, you know, already earlier, you were talking about the process and that, that process of development. But before all that can start, you know, there has to be an assessment period of, you know, kind of figuring out where guys are. What does that assessment period look like for you guys? And, like, how do you guys go about that? Well, I, I think there's different prongs when it goes into the assessment period. I think that there needs to be, you know, a, a observation period where you're watching the player, um, you know, physically move in space, you know, seeing what they do. Uh, you know, especially from a hitting perspective, being able to watch ball flight, uh, you know, the velocity type of stuff off the bat. I mean, there's also a, an analytical piece, too, you know, being able to watch and observe, you know, how they um, are doing in games, how they're doing in terms of, you know, things that we value in, in practice settings and the metrics they're able to produce there. Um, I also think there, there's a very large component of being able just to get to know your learner, you know, being able to understand how they perceive what they do you know, their own personal belief systems, you know, kind of how they believe they do what they do. Uh, and then from there, I think that the job of a coach is to be able to fill the gaps. I think all too often, you know, we're always looking for the way 
in baseball instead of looking for a way. You know, when I first started out into coaching, I thought that, uh, you know, I had this very kind of, you know, proprietary, rigid process. And, you know, that w- that's what was going to make me a great coach. Um, you know, luckily for me, I've been able to be around a lot of people that were able to show me that there's a myriad of different ways for, you know, hitting and pitching and fielding and throwing uh, that they can actually be functional and successful. Uh, that's opened up my eyes to really the more that I can experience different ways of doing the same thing, that's really where the value is because then you have a larger impact on the people that you are responsible for. And for me, I think that that's probably kind of the centerpiece is learning kind of who they are, what they do, why they do it, how they do it. And then from there you build out, you build in the the different physical components, the different mental components, the different uh, analytics pieces and the different, um, you know, approach pieces when it comes to the game and the practice. Yeah, I love that kind of building off the, um, you know, the, the pitching hitting coach role. Um, 2013, you became the youngest manager in professional baseball. What was that adjustment like transitioning from being a, a specialized coach to the managerial role? Well, I think the biggest thing for me was is I was used to having, you know, players, you know, talk to me as a confidant and as, you know, almost like a friend when you get into a leadership role, uh, that changes. You know, the power of the pen, you know, really comes into play. Guys aren't going to be wanting to share uh, as much information as you're typically used to. You know, I'd you know, just go up and play, hey, how are you doing? How's your family? How's your girlfriend? And they just would open up and give me anything that I would you know, possibly need. Uh, when you're a manager, that's different because you go, hey, how are you feeling? I feel good. And then your coaches come up to you a couple, uh, you know, hours later and go, oh, yeah, you know, he's, He's really struggling. You know, he, he's having some issues at home and, you know, he feels tired, his legs nagging him. And you're like, well, that's not what he told me. And I think that that was a very, um, a very tough period. I think when I first started managing was being able to know uh, that I wasn't going to get that information. And really I had to adjust how I was leading to be able to really lean on my coaches to be able to get me that information. And understand, I'm not saying that being a leader that you need to be completely disconnected from your player. That's not at all what I'm saying. I think that you do need to be able to show uh, that you're there for them, that you're available, um, that you're willing to fight the good fight with them. But I also think that just inherently when it comes to leadership, when you start putting, uh, you know, hierarchy gap levels between you and the players, I think the less likely you're going to get the information that you need to be able to put them in the best positions to be successful. And that's where you've got to lean on the people that do have that direct contact with them, which is, you know, your, your specific coaches. Yeah, I love that. That's, that's awesome. I mean, you know, it kind of speaks to just being able to remain, you know, objective and being able to see, you know, a holistic view of, you know, I think from a managerial role, you get to see the bigger picture um, do you, do you, would you agree there that you see it from a different angle than you did when you were just, uh, just specializing as a hitting coach? Dramatically, dramatically. And, and I think it, it's supposed to be that way in, in my opinion and kind of my leadership model. Um, you, you need to be able to kind of filter off of, okay, this is what we need to do. This is what we need to do today. This is what we need to do a week from today. This is what we need to do a month from today. This is what we need to be able to do by the end of the season. I think that you need to even think like two and three years down the line. So when, when you're in that leadership role, you know, and, and I'll talk about this a little bit later, I think that your ideas need to become broader, not specific. 
And so when you have an idea of, okay, I want this guy to be able to learn how to use his legs. Well, I can't, from a leadership role, have everyone do that. I need to, okay, well, the players need to be more body-specific and body-aware of what they're doing. And, again, when you move up those levels, your idea has to be broader because then you allow uh, your boots on the ground, your coaches, you give them a laundry list of things that they can do uh, to be able to get to that specific idea. And I take that same idea when it comes to managing a team where I know specifically where all my players need to be at today and where they need to be at a week from today, but is that my direct responsibility? No, that's my coaches. And I hold them accountable to that. Conversely, my job is to be able to go, all right, where, where does the organization need our players to be a month from today? Where do they need them, you know, where do they need them uh, to be a year from today? Where do they need to be uh, two years from today? And that's really where, um, you know, from a leadership position, uh, you, you find kind of that, you know, cohesiveness with your staff because you give them the freedom to do what they need to do in the near future. And then you're basically trying to lay the groundwork uh, on into the future, years in the future, for that player to be able to develop and hopefully uh, help us win a World Series in Los Angeles. That's awesome. Love it. So, you know, when you're speaking to moving over to this role over in L.A., you had mentioned that, you know, the technology and some of the analytics that they were using are things that you weren't really familiar with. Could you dive into, you know, what are the, some of the technologies that you guys are using uh, over with the Dodgers? Yeah, I mean, yeah, pretty immediate. Um, one of the things that uh, Cap talked about when I took the role was, you know, he's like, he goes, I understand that you're very curious about the analytics. You're very curious about some of the tech pieces. He goes, my promise to you, if you come over, is that there won't be a question you'll ask that I won't find the answer for. And that really stuck with me. And it was one of the things that really was um, a very intriguing piece for me to leave uh, the Rockies and be able to go there because I really, um, I really loved you know, my time when I was in Colorado. Um, I learned a lot. I had a lot of you know, very close uh, relationships with people over there with you know, staff and players and front office and scouts. Um, it was a very challenging um, you know, decision for me and for my family to make. Um, but again, it, it was one of those things that, uh, you know, the, you know, the history, the ilk of the Dodgers in conjunction with everyone in baseball knows that, uh, you know, we're doing, you know, things kind of on the cutting edge, you know, something that um, I wanted to experience. And uh, when I came over here, it was a pleasant surprise to see uh, the environment how open people were with talking about, you know, you know, TrackMan and, you know, some of the, you know, you know uh, baseball uh, diamond kinetics, you know, pieces and, you know, a lot of just the numbers and being able to go to fan graphs all the time and what, what do these numbers mean and how do we, you know, value our players off of that and, and really how they encourage you to be able to kind of find your own personal mixture of all those numbers to be able to, you know, find more of a you know, quantitative value for your, for our players and, um, I said that that's really what my mindset coming in was, was truly a growth mindset. And, you know, knowing that um, I didn't know <laughs> th those things and um, it's kind of a you know, tough uh, statement to say, but um, I, I'll use it from time to time. And, and it was really kind of how, um, how I label myself coming over to Los Angeles, which is I didn't know that I didn't know until I knew that I didn't know, if that mm -hmm. makes sense. Yeah. So once I recognize there's this whole entire other, uh, you know, division in baseball, not necessarily division as in like devices, but there, there's another um, department in baseball that's R&D. 
and I really didn't have uh, any experience with it. That's when I kind of went in, you know, full bore and said, okay, I want to, I want to understand what's going on. I want to, I want to be able to see this process and how that relates to my own personal belief systems and my own uh, philosophies when it comes to, you know, anything that has to do with baseball. And it's, it's been very rewarding to be able to see how, you know, some of the numbers actually match up to what I've always have just intuitively known or subjectively known. And there's also a part of it too that goes, yeah, actually some of the things that I did take as almost like dogma actually was incorrect. And mm-hmm. now that I have numbers that support that, it gives me a little bit more confidence and a little bit more conviction when I do make those changes. Yeah. I love that perspective. You kind of walked right into my next question, um, building off that, uh, doing a little bit of research. I've seen you talk about how you don't view what you do as coaching, but more teaching, mentoring, and educating. Can you kind of open that up for our listeners? Yeah. Um, I think, and again, Hollywood's done a great job of being able to, um, you know, showcase a lot of really incredible teachers, um, I do think there's also some liberties they take too, you know, and the best example I can give is, uh, you know, Herb Brooks in, in the movie, The Miracle. I know they made Herb uh, really, you know, seem like he was a very like demanding and almost like you just had to yell and drive, you know, you know, keep driving the guys and, you know, be relentless. And, you know, and, and I, I don't necessarily think if you, if you dive into kind of how Herb um, truly did things, he was definitely a teacher. He was a mentor to, uh, to the players. And, I think sometimes, uh, you know, coaches take what Hollywood says they should be as coaches by yelling and screaming and being derogatory and condescending um, as how they're supposed to teach. And that's not how it is. If you put ourselves, uh, you know, into a classroom environment, it's the same idea. We're trying to convey a knowledge or a concept to our players through different, you know, means of communication, through written text through, uh, you know, verbal interactions and through visual. And I think that when we look at what we do um, as teaching and not necessarily just as coaching, it's all about winning and, you know, I got to yell at my players and that's how I motivate them. And that's not how a lot of people get motivated. There are people out there that can do that. But I think we get into this one size fits all because maybe that's how we've been conditioned or maybe that's how our specific experiences have been. And really, I'm trying to give a different uh, perspective to that to people. And again, it's not for everybody. I, I understand I'm, I am different. And it, it's, it's very challenging because the world wants you to conform to what everyone else does. And there, there's been times that I've had to stand alone. And it's been very, very, very challenging. Um, but at the same time, I, I am who I am. And, and the more that you know, I dive into some of the research. I dive into how our brain operates, how we respond to other human interactions, and really how I learn how my brain functions and how I deal with stress, how I deal with, you know, disappointment and adversity. That allows me to be able to connect with people more. And that's what um, I, so I have more conviction when I say, no, this is just how I am as a leader. And, and I'm, here's how I'm changing. Here's where I fail. Here's where I fall short of the mark. And here's where I think I excel at. And I, I think that when you uh, do that, the players understand, you know, how real you are. And I think that they respect that. You know, I think the players sniff out if someone's trying to be something that they're not. And the more that I've, you know, dove into kind of my strength and I've also been able to uh, open up about my weaknesses, 
the the more that I feel, um, you know, our relationship grows and really the cohesive environment we try to create here in Rancho and really the cohesive environment that we have uh, with the Dodgers from top to bottom uh, is really on display. So to give you my, my long answer, that's really why I think that we need to, um, as an industry, start labeling coaching as teaching. Because I think that when we do that, um, people are more willing to handle failure and we're also able to partner with our players more consistently versus, well, I'm the coach, I'm trying to coach you, you just don't get it, so therefore you're not a, a major league prospect. And I, I just I, I don't agree with with, uh, with that ideal. I think that it needs to be, okay, well, this, this way doesn't work, let's find another way. Or how about you tell me what you think you need to do. You tell me your way, and then I'll be able to, to support it through, uh, through different drills through different pieces of technology, through different pieces of information, or maybe we'll, we'll find, you know, kind of a common ground between those two points. Yeah, that's a really, you know, interesting standpoint. I mean, there's a, there's a book I was reading, what's called uh, Thanks for the Feedback. And it kind of mm-hmm. talks, it, it, you know, it talks into a lot of the things that you're talking about as, you know, as the receiver, um, do we perceptualize that you're coming and you're giving me feedback as a coach, like you want to help me, or again, as you're saying, as a teacher that you want to help me, or are you criticizing me or evaluating me? Um, and so, um, I love that dynamic is if we can change that over to, you know, I just want to teach you my, my main objective is for you to learn that kind of changes how, you know, players pick us up and perceive us. So, um, I really enjoyed that your answer there. Um, I'm kind of going to throw a wrench into this one and go kind of a different way too, is what are, what are some ways you keep track of player development, but the wrench is how do you also keep track of your development or your coach's development? Well, I, I, I don't think there, there's actually a true like percentage that goes with that out of a hundred percent of my bandwidth. I mean, I, I, I can't say that it needs to be 50, 50. I think it's always going to be relative, you know, to where you're at personally, where you're at psychologically, where you're at, you know, emotionally, you know, I talk a lot about, you know, finding balance. Um, I, I truly 100% believe that if you don't have balance in your life, you're not truly going to be as successful as you want to be and really how, you know, God has designed us to be. I, I think that you need to be able to know when you need to focus on, you know, diving into yourself or when you need to, you know, dive into more players or just kind of how those things come up. And I think that having flexibility um, with that percentage is paramount. And there, there's going to be times you're going to recognize when you're overdoing it. Um, you know, last year for me, I, I overdid it on, you know, the uh, data, the preparation, the players, and, and I kind of let myself and my mental um, growth kind of go. And, and I, I saw little marks, especially as I went back and I went through my journals and, and through my writing. Um, I was like, yeah, I see it at, you know, at you know, these 15 you know, different you know, spots during the season that I should have focused on myself, but I was more focused on other people. But this is really how it had you know, either a neutral effect or a negative effect to what was going on uh, with the team. And, and I think conversely, too, I think you need to be able to recognize if you're so focused on just yourself and, you know, trying to get to the next level or trying to get to the next job, how that can also have, you know, a, uh, a counter effect to, you know, what you're able to control and focus on that day. So I, I guess not to necessarily, you know, bow out of the answer, I, I think that, uh you know, for me, it's always going to be relative. I think you need to be able to find kind of those things and just be more self-aware, you know, get to Maslow's hierarchy and needs. And the more that you, the closer you get to self-actualization, uh, you know, the, the more high performing that you and your team is going to be. 
Yeah, I love that. And and once again, you're kind of leading into my next point. Um, as as a leader and influencer, we do need to take time to make sure we're doing what what our team needs to be doing. But we also need to take time for ourselves. Building on that, one of your main philosophy is is know thyself. Can you kind of mm-hmm. open that up for our listeners and how that translates to not just coaching but leadership in general? Yeah, um, you know, know know thyself is is incredibly impactful because I think that what that does it helps you take accountability uh, for yourself and, and for your life and for your you know for our players' career. I think all too often, and again, the way that I think society is conditioning us is that you know I just want to hurry up and get to the end. I just want to hurry up and I want to, you know, I want to be great. I want to be a major leaguer. Well, that that's great. Everyone wants to do that. But really, um, you know, it's the journey that allows us to be able to enjoy those moments. And, and I think in that piece, um, I, I talk a lot about, you know, one of the most, I guess, fruitless and, you know, less joyful moments I've ever had in my life was when I was drafted because, you know, for 22 years I had this, you know, very singular focus that I wanted to be drafted. And yeah, you know, there, there was, there was happiness at the immediate onset about, okay, yeah, I've been drafted. Like now I have this title and it all, all the validity. I got a chance to you know, basically tell everyone that said I couldn't do it, that now I actually objectively have this title that says that I did it. And, you know, there, there was that happy moment, but after 10 minutes, I was like, so th- this is it. You know, and, you know, it's it's the, the adage that I give our players and it's our mantra this year, which is, you know, hey, you know, we, we're going to summit this mountain. You know, we're going to summit the mountain together of, of trying to win a California League championship. Uh, but remember, at the, at the end of the day, there's still mountains that we are going to have in front of us once we reach that pinnacle. So really what we need to do is we need to enjoy this journey together. It's going to be tough. It's going to be tiresome. It's going to be frustrating. It's going to be... You know, in in some ways, probably one of the most, uh, you know, difficult uh, walks we'll ever take. But if we do it together and and we're willing to fight for one another and we're willing to pour into one another and give energy to one another, the journey up to there, when we reach that summit, we're not going to already be looking off into, uh, you know, the the next mountain that we got to climb. We're going to enjoy the summit and then it's going to actually energize us more that once we get down on the backside of the mountain, we just summit it to be able to climb to the next one. And for me, I think that's really where know thyself, uh, you know, kind of comes into play because it, it allows you to be rooted um, in a foundation, in a philosophy. But then as, uh, in, in addition to that, that when other people come into your life, you're able to pour into one another. You're able to challenge what you know. And it's either going to help you realize two things, either that what you know is working and it's going to further, uh, you know, strengthen that piece, or you're going to recognize that there's something else that's going to optimize what you're doing, or it's going to radically change your belief system, which is going to make you better, which in turn is going to help you be able to impact and pour into those people around you more. So for me, that's really kind of the, the, the central, um, you know, belief system in know thyself. And it, it's applicable to anything. It's applicable into, you know, our own individual walks, our walks with our family, with our wives, with our friends, with our parents, um, with our brothers and sisters. It, it's applicable to baseball with your hitting philosophy, with your pitching philosophy. It, it's applicable into uh, your leadership process where instead of trying to always find you know, the answer, really what the answer is, is we are stronger together. We're stronger as a unit 
we're stronger unified as one entity instead of all these separate, um, you know, individuals. Love that, man. And, you know, one thing, you know, as we were doing research, one thing that kept popping up throughout it, and you've already mentioned a couple of times, is uh, as I was doing more research on you, I kept seeing your family pop up. So could you kind of dive into, you know, um, you know, just a little bit about your family and like what role they play in your life? Uh, they're, they're paramount. Um, you know, I, I guess that I, I kind of learned uh, through osmosis. My dad coached, uh, you know, high school baseball for 30 years. Um, my mom, who now is, is um, you know, on a you know, board of directors for a healthcare system, but she started out as a registered nurse. So I, I think that I've always uh, been around, you know, people that have showed me and through osmosis, I've been able to kind of learn like how to give towards others and, and really how important the group is and how it's a neighborhood uh, approach when it comes to, you know, just your human interactions. And, and for me, um, it, it kind of starts with them. And then it filters out to my aunts, uncles and cousins. It branches out to my wife, who uh, is really kind of the rock in, in our family. I mean, you know, right now she's back home in Ohio. Um, basically a single mom for almost, you know, four months out of the seat, out of the year. And, you know, while I'm you know doing a, a job that I find a lot of joy in, um, I wouldn't do this job if she didn't, you know, give me her blessing to be able to do it. And, and again, it's, it's, it goes back to just kind of having your priorities in order. And, and for me, it's, you know, my God, my family, my team. And I think that um, when I look back at my life, whenever I've had those priorities out of sorts, that's where everything kind of goes into disarray. I'm more angry. I'm more frustrated. You know, I'm upset that I'm not, you know, moving in a certain direction in my career. I'm not happy. My kids are listening to me or whatever it may be, but really my family helps me, you know, find that centerpiece. Uh, they hold me accountable to when I'm not in balance. And, and again, I think that just that support system is, you know, paramount for me. You know, and I think that again, it's, it, it just goes back to, you know, know thyself. It goes back to all the things we've talked about so far. Yeah, I love your perspectives. It seems like they all blend to really form the person that you are. Um, Drew, you've kind of been taking a unique route to get to where you are. Um, what advice would you give to young coaches just beginning their career? Who um, I, I think I think having the growth mindset um, is, is going to be paramount because it, it's going to help you stay nimble and flexible with this ever changing environment. Uh, that we're in in baseball, where I think if you look back to even, you know, five, six years ago, you know, people were talking about data or talking about the metrics. They were kind of looked at as, you know, these outsider oddballs, where I think now it's being looked at as more kind of mainstream. You hear it on, you know, Sunday Night Baseball. You're seeing the game kind of change right in front of your eyes. And I think the more flexible you can be uh, with that, is going to help you be able to continue to impact those people around you more and be able to reach more people. Um, I think uh, in addition to that is, is again, kind of knowing thyself. You know, I think that you need to have a, you know, a belief system that's in place, a filter. So that way you're not just always kind of, you know, meandering around to what's the, the next uh, sexiest thing that's out there on Twitter or, you know, that's out there uh, on bloggers or blog posts like, I think that being able to have that filter uh, is paramount. And really, lastly, I think it's being able to, um, you know, again, have that uh, perspective and have, uh, you know, your priority set is you know, kind of what you want to do. 
Um, I, I truly, truly believe that, you know, in life, if you have your priorities in order, you're going to truly be able to impact those people uh, that you're responsible for and then the people that you run into along the way. You know, so I think those three things um, are are very, very big for young coaches that are trying to get into, you know, our game or really any other game. I, I think, again, it's it's being able to, to do those three things. Love it. Well, hey, Drew, uh, thank you again. Uh, me and Bo are, you know, real familiar. We have a lot of we have a lot of contacts through the the organizations and how your guys' schedules are and how, you know, how many games you guys are getting in. And, you know, for you to schedule some time for us to get back to the game, we really appreciate it. Oh, absolutely. I appreciate you guys having me on. It was, it was a lot of fun for me to chat with you guys. Awesome. Thanks, Drew. Man, Drew just killed it. You could tell he's got a lot of depth to him. This call takeaway is brought to you by Quality at Bats. Don't forget to visit qualityatbats.com to further your mental approach to the game. Yeah, I think you nailed it. He shared a, a ton of great perspectives and really opened up that growth mindset. What was your biggest call takeaway, Joey? I think the biggest thing, you know, obviously that he really hit on is is knowing yourself and, and kind of having that balance. So I would say, I would say that, you know, that's a big thing. If a balance, I heard this a while back ago, balance is not doing everything for the equal amount of time. It's doing what you need at the right time. So, you know, if you know yourself, if you know that, you know, you've had a tough week or whatever, maybe you need to spend, you know, more time with your family. Maybe you need to step away. Maybe you need to go on a, a trip. Maybe you need to go hiking. Maybe you got to do, you know, do, go do something, um, you know, but you got to know yourself, whatever that is that releases for you. Um, I think that's a big part of it. And, you know, it all starts with knowing yourself. How about you, Bo? Yeah, I like that. Mine kind of builds off there. Um, really to be a great leader, a great influencer, a great coach. You really have to take time for yourself. Um, you know, burnout's a real thing and, and you have to be adequate, prepared to really lead the group. So I, I really like how we touched on that, knowing yourself and really having that growth mindset to make sure um, you're, you're really ready to help young men develop. Absolutely. Well, guys, do what you always do. You guys have done such an amazing job and we're so thankful for you. We're here for you. Um, by you and with you, like we say, you know, we wouldn't be nothing without you guys talking to one another, sharing our our podcast, sharing the things that you guys you guys love. Uh, we're growing. We're able to provide more and more things for you guys. We got some great things coming out, and you know, we'll have all these all these videos that I'm sure you guys will love. Let us know what you guys want to see. If you have any questions about any of these? We want to start a community. Um, we want to be a neighborhood, just like you know he was talking about and how uh, we all interact with each other. So continue to share. Um, you know, continue to go to you know our website for resources, the system.farm. We got things on there for you too, um, discounts and things that we're going to be launching here soon. And guys, just stay on track with us. Let us know. Again, reach out to us. Any questions, anybody you think we should get on, all great insight for us. But until next time, Farm System out.